you know what? This is my first recording of this new series, and I'm obviously a bit nervous because I've been shoveling granola in my mouth in a kind of yeah. uh, emotional eating kind of way. I'm now trying to get that <laughs> granola out of my teeth. Um, okay, let me do the intro. Hello and welcome to another episode of But Why, the podcast that's all about digging into big questions and tricky topics via honest conversations. This week, we're going to be looking at farming. Today's guest is not from a farming background. In fact, she spent most of her career as a hairdresser in Soho before swapping that for rural Kent. I initially followed her because of the cute animals, but found that there was way more to what she's sharing than that. Getting to see the inner workings of farmer life understanding the hard graph that goes on behind it and being reminded that the image we have as farms is picture-perfect versions from kids' books or entirely run by old chaps is very far off the mark. And, more importantly, that even if you live in the depths of an inner city, farms play a huge part in all of our lives. Also, this conversation is slightly for my own benefit because I have a stupid, naive belief that I would quite like to be a farmer. Anyway, enough of me. Let me introduce Zoe, aka the Chief Shepherdess, and let's get cracking with this episode. Hello. Hi. Um, I'm quite interested. I usually start with three questions, but I'm actually also interested in what you've been up to this morning. You know, I've been to the gym, I've taken my kids to school, done quite like average things, and I'm thinking you might have been out and about and, and working hard already. Yeah, I mean, it probably equates to the same. I mean, I've pretty much done a gym workout. I fed all my kids, made sure everyone's watered. So we've pretty much done the same thing, except yours have gone off and mine are still in the same place. But it kind of equates to the same. I was going to say, I'm laughing to myself because I do kind of quite functional fitness, which is a bit of like dragging stuff around, quite a lot of weight-based stuff. And I'm having to do that in this contrived environment and you're probably achieving it just by making the farm run yeah it it's it's quite scary the we bought one of the um those posh watches that um you know it mm. it tracks everything and everything comes down to it keeps saying workout begins workout begins and we're looking at each other like it's just doing we're just doing normal things um i'll be honest it, it's it's quite it feels quite fortunate really the fact that we can just work and stay fairly trim without having to pay for a gym membership or anything um but I'm sure that'll catch up with us in the next few years but we'll enjoy it while it lasts I don't know if it will that's exactly the point that we've we've had to like go to gyms because we lived such sedentary lifestyles whereas you're you're yeah you're busy just doing the business of life and working aren't you and I mean I'm sure you don't have to try and get your step count up do you I bet you do unbelievable number of steps a day no it's quite um it's quite scary sometimes because you think, oh, I've had quite a chilled one today. And then you kind of, these new watches get quite addictive. You go onto the app and you think, oh, yeah. And you look through and you think, I thought I'd had quite a chilled day. And then, you know, I'll, I'll chat to one of my friends works from home and chat to her. And she's done like, you know, 2,000 steps or something. And we're, we're in the 20,000s. And oh, we yeah. thought we've just, you know, just ch- chilled today, really. But we don't have quad bikes and things like that. So this time of year... Um, we, we won't drive the truck round to check all the sheep. We do everything on foot. Uh, so you kind of rack up the steps without realising it, really, because you're, you know, chatting to each other. It doesn't really feel like exercise. 
which which is a good thing of course but then mm. you know when you do really want a chill day sometimes it you know you feel like you're just dragging your yeah. feet through the mud but on on the whole it's quite good to get up and out you know as you say you've been to the gym this morning that that gives you that buzz in the morning um mm-hmm. so we're quite fortunate that just doing our chores we can get that that buzz and you get a huge amount of endorphins don't you um getting your heart rate up so yeah quite a nice feeling by the time you get into bed do you feel physically tired at the yeah. end of each working day every day every day do you and um it's okay f- for me um some reasonably healthy but um Chris my boyfriend he's got ME um so for him it's quite a balance for him to kind of work out when he's you know having a flare up and when he's just tired so he often says to me do your legs ache or do you feel like this and that's how we kind of gauge whether he can keep going or whether he needs to kind of step back a bit or I tell him to step back a bit um but yeah every I'd say I haven't slept this well in you, you know 15, yeah. 15 years or something yeah because you're you're yeah I mean I've, I'll get on to it in a minute so it's, it's absolutely fascinating so for the context of people who don't follow you tell me a bit about your pre-farming life okay I'll try and condense it a little bit <laughs> so I went to an all-girls stuffy um grammar school all-girls grammar school in Kent yeah did you have to wear gym knickers yes yes same. no one seems to understand how stressful that is as a young horrendous well just hitting puberty female being stuck in these things I oh anyway so I had to wear gym knickers and went to an all-girls school and decided that I wanted to be a hairdresser and they told me it was a waste of my academic ability and I should go to university tried to push me in that direction and me being the the woman that I am obviously completely rebelled against that I went to art college and did a lot of things that I shouldn't have. Um, and then that led on to actually, do you know what? I'm just going to go and do hairdressing. I was hanging around with a lot of kind of free spirits and I kind of thought, actually, no, that's what I want to do. Mm. So why why am I in a dark room studying photography when actually I want to do fashion photography and that kind of thing? Um, so I moved so I had an interview on the Friday up in Selfridges um, on Oxford Circus. Mm-hmm. Salon was called Cabela. I had the interview on the Friday, told I had the hairdressing apprenticeship. And my boyfriend at the time was at Queen Mary's in East London. So mm-hmm. I, I move, moved into his halls on the Sunday um, and started the new job as a hairdressing apprentice on the Monday. And I think I had about, I think my dad had put like 20 quid on my Oyster card and I had like, I don't know, a 30 quid check from my nan in my bank or something like I was broke. But I didn't care. And I, I really missed that feeling of not caring. Mm. Anyway, got into London life. All I cared about was shoes, clothes, smoking cigarettes, not eating very much, being really unhealthy, but living, the, <laughs> living the life. Yes. I think, so relatable. I think it's one of those things, isn't it? If if you If you've been there, you totally understand that that need for it's so strange like I really crave just that buzz every mm. single day you wake up buzzing just to get on the tube and be around people that are buzzing mm. um and I loved it um I, I really wouldn't change that you know I, I did a lot I was fortunate enough to do a lot of photos you know the hair for a lot of photo shoots um like editorial work 
I had experience I would never have got here in Kent. So I'm really thankful. And life experience, like who who doesn't wish to move out and meet people from all over the world and mm. get into scrapes? Anyway, that was that was And have a load of fun, amazing. even have though fun. it's so different like, from what you are anything. now. I wouldn't regret anything. No. Um, and then I met Chris, who is my boyfriend, he his dad was a farmer, um, but he died when Chris was twelve, so he was just young. So he left the farm. Um, he lived with his mum and became a plumber. So he basically messaged me on Facebook Messenger saying, "Basically, you're fit." Something ridiculous <laughs> like that, like so fit, and I just rolled my eyes and I thought, seriously, is this guy for real? And he badgered me and badgered me. And we went on a date in London, um, ended up doing Sambuca shots and doing learning to salsa, really. Um, and then we were in set. Well, I projectile vomited that night. And then we were inseparable, <laughs> literally inseparable ever since then. Um, except he had a burnout um, a few months after we left, uh, uh, started dating, sorry. Um, he had a burnout and he ended up being in bed for around just under a year, um, having tests and things like that. And we, I, I thought he was dying. I genuinely thought wow. he'd gone from being like wild. I mean, he'd been traveling, he'd done all these wild things. And I thought, yeah, this suits us. You know, I'm a bit wild in London. He's a bit wild here. This would be great. Doing, mm. You know, basically have fun. Um, and then, yeah, he was in bed for a long, long time. And I used to come, so all week I'd kind of live this bit crazy lifestyle, cocktails after work and things like that. And then at the weekend or on Sunday and Monday, which are my days off, I'd come and lay in bed in Kent with him. And we would rarely talk really because um, he didn't have the energy really. Um yeah, and I, I, I fell in love with him. And it, it was, it's really strange because I always imagined my life not to be as it is now. Mm. So hard that, isn't it? Because like, it's all made up anyway, yeah. but you just, but you have an idea of what you think it's going to be and who you're going to be. And you almost grieve it, don't you? You almost mm. grieve the life that, and I've spoken to a lot, over my time as a hairdresser, a lot, uh, spoken to a lot of new mothers and they have the same kind of feeling. Mm. anyway so to get him out of the house we bought a, 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 a spring spaniel her name is Indy he started going shooting with her so like pheasant shooting mm -hmm. with all his dad's old mates and kind of reconnecting and and I saw something change in him he went from he he, he was always upbeat even when he was in bed he was always like I, I admire him so much for that he never kind of gave up but he just came alive because he was out and it was a struggle. Like he'd go shooting on a, a Saturday and he'd be in bed for a week just from holding mm -hmm. a conversation and walking. Um, but he, long story short, he ended up in a livestock market and he bought 32 in lamb ewes, rang me in the salon and was like, hi, Zo. And I was like, hey, I've just bought us some sheep. <laughs> uh, what? Where are we going to keep them? And it turns out his dad's friend had said, look, mate, you want to do it, do it. And rented us a bit of land. And we've just grown and grown ever since. Um, I, I, You kind of want it to be so romantic that I mm. just kind of, oh, I just started doing a little bit of farming. And then I knew it was my calling in life. And that <laughs> definitely was not it. It was not it at 
all. I, it definitely took a long time for me to kind of um, get used to the fact that I, you know, there's no point wearing nice lipstick and and mm. your farm. And it took a long time. It wasn't like a, oh, I found myself. It, it wasn't like that at all. Um, so I just kind of dipped my toe in a bit at the weekend, and you know, I was still wearing like. Do you remember leather look le- leggings when they were yes. in fashion? So I was still kind of wearing them instead of waterproofs and things like that. And I just kind of couldn't, I couldn't fully embrace it. I still mm. wanted to do both. Um, and yeah, basically it got to the point where we couldn't expand the farm without me, but to live and progress as a relationship, we needed my income because I was earning mm. quite good money um, as a colorist. And yeah, and then I had two weeks off the salon. I'm chewing your ear off here, sorry. I had two weeks off the salon. No, I'm enjoying it. Okay. Um, there's no way to condense it anymore. Otherwise, it just, there's so like gaping mm. holes in it. I'm into it. So they, um, I took two weeks off the salon. I'd I'd moved to a salon in Kent at this point because the commute on the train was just horrendous. It's charged me, you know, I, I was finishing the salon at eight in Soho. Um, I was in a salon called Tommy Guns for a long time, just off um, mm, Rick Lane. As soon as I'd done my apprenticeship, I, I, I went there. And so, yeah, I, I kind of bit the bullet and I moved back home to my mum and dad's in Kent which was about 20 minutes from where my boyfriend Chris lived anyway worked in a salon there and it was still really high end like it was it was a good salon but it didn't have the bars at all it was a bit Stepford Wivesy I was kind of introducing Mm. them like what what baby lights and what balayage were and they didn't really get it they were still having like the classic foils and it was just very strange but it was fun um, and I had two weeks off lambing and it was stunning. I kind of felt like I was watching things be born and it felt like a mm. drug. Like it felt like I was getting a new addiction, but it wasn't going out and partying and, yes. and who could get the drunkest. It was kind of more, um, it was a bit deeper than that. Um, you kind of watch things take their first breath. You you watch things die. You know, you can't save things. And it kind of was a real wake-up call. And then the first day I went back to the salon after those two weeks, I was in the middle of a client. Um, my mum rang the salon phone and um, said that I needed to get to the hospital because my dad was been rushed into hospital. And he ended up in intensive care. And I'm an incredibly anxious person. I mean, incredibly, incredibly anxious um, and I felt like those two weeks of lambing and dealing with death for the first time with the sheep had kind of prepared me for being in this intensive care environment mm. of my dad might die. I felt like it was like training, really mm. fast track training of actually things die. Um, five weeks he was in, um, no, sorry, uh, from the moment he got the diagnosis that he had shadows all over his body, which was the cancer um five weeks later he died and he had just under two weeks at home with us we managed to get him home but they couldn't they couldn't um orchestrate the carers and things like that so they said he can come home because the the prognosis wasn't good they said he can come home but you guys will have to care for him Mm. and as you do you're just like yeah whatever Mm. like whatever we have to do and we'll do it so myself my mum and my sister 
all club together. I mean, we had this huge whiteboard that had my sister's um, a geotechnical engineer, so she's very organized and scientific. And she drew up this huge whiteboard of like his drugs and like a rotor and things. So actually, it's probably the closest I've ever been to my mum and sister. And it was a real bonding moment. But obviously, it's also the the rub- most rubbish time of my life. Mm. Um, but yeah, when he died, I kind of, I couldn't perform anymore. And hairdressing is all a performance. It's all you have 45 minutes in your in my chair. I'm going to make you feel like the best you've ever felt. You're going to leave here. Your hair's going to be bouncing and you're going to feel rejuvenated from speaking to me. And I was very proud of offering that to my clients. Mm-hmm. Um, very, very proud of that. And I didn't want to offer them any less of a service, um, not just money-wise. You know, they came to see me as much as to get their hair mm-hmm. done. And I, very, I was very proud of that. And I couldn't offer them any less because I felt like um, I'd be doing a discredit to myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't feel like I could perform and I didn't have to perform with the animals. I could just, you know, there was times where I probably played the same song on repeat and sob <laughs> and just sobbed. Um mm. and I, I mean, Eric Clapton, cocaine. I mean, I listened to that over and over again and I don't know why it reminded me of my dad because just there's no similarities but something about it maybe you listened to it when I was a child but I just used to listen to it over and over again while I was checking the sheep and I'd just be sobbing or I'd just be I'd be talking talking and I don't know who I was whether I was talking to him whether I was talking to my past self future self what I was doing but anyway I just I was just very comfortable um at the farm and yeah, I guess our time is up now. I've spoken everything. No, it's, um, it's, yeah, it's it. up. And here we are today. I um it's a long way to get there, but I, I feel like the the I hate the word path, but mm. the path to get me where I am now was so perfect. Like I know I mm. lost my dad and Chris's dad is gone and you know, we 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 lost a friend and all these things. Mm-hmm. have all built up to a point now where we have a real chance to absolutely smash life mm. but it's been a little bit along the way a little bit gritty at times um but we're here now which is a really nice place to be in and and I I I, I know a lot of people don't ever get to that point in their mm. life but I do really feel like we're there I mean, that's extraordinary, isn't it, really? And um, I'm, I'm sitting here nodding because I relate so much to what a lot of what you said. My um, career was in advertising, so I was yeah knocking around Soho at the same time as you. And, uh, yeah, I loved dressing up. I loved getting hammered. I loved all the things. And then once you begin to go the other way, you're craving that sense of experience, but from a very stripped-back version of it, yeah. you know. you don't. I didn't want to hide. I mean, I still love clothes don't get me wrong in fashion but I feel my my most at one why they're either in, in nature or doing something very physical yeah and, and it's just like oh it's it's very strange to be in the same person who loved yeah getting dressed up and drinking cocktails but realize that I love being makeup free yeah being really grubby yeah it's quite raw isn't it it's quite yeah. um, it's quite a raw feeling and I just have this discussion quite often with people. Um, it's it's stripped back, as you say. It's kind of like um, 
you're going back to how we should be mm. in a sense and you kind of I think everyone could resonate with that it's just whether you're given the opportunity or not and whether you accept it but it's- yeah you're so right and it's no coincidence because you have those moments in life when you give birth and also when someone you love dearly dies when you get this sudden clarity you're like oh I actually understand what this is yeah and and so often when you're going through your busy like vibey life you you don't get that but you when you're yeah watching and you're watching the seasons you're working the land you actually are so much closer to to what it is to to exist which sounds really dramatic but it is true no it, it is and that's something i never um i never thought i'd be a part of it one and two i never thought i'd actually enjoy it I mean, mm. we camped as kids and I loved being outdoors. I was always dirty. I was always naked. I was always naked and dirty pretty much, <laughs> like my entire childhood. Um, and then um, kind of, yeah, I, I didn't lose myself or anything like that. I just I just adapted. And, you know, my sister was the one that stayed in nature and um, she used to go camping throughout, whereas I was I, I was in London. And, and it's very strange people say oh but did you always know that you'd go back go back to Kent even let alone go back to you know your roots and no I genuinely I could I always imagined having grubby kids that is something that I definitely always like I always envisage if if I were to have well when you dream about it you do have the kids don't you Mm -hmm. you have the kids and they'd have curly hair like me and they'd be really grubby and they'd be naked and they'd have they'd never want to wear shoes like that that's how you imagined it and that's how I always thought but I didn't kind of think how I'd get there Mm. um but now it's quite realistic that I'm going to have you know or you'll have the opposite yeah and you have kids who like I do believe kids come along to like poke at the bits that you don't you know yeah who who if I'm fortunate fortunate enough to be able to have children I I, um if they're divas I'm not sure how they're gonna slot into our life but you just yeah it's one of those things isn't it you 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 can't predict what's gonna happen and nothing's certain is it but well done well I mean, it depends how spiritual you want to get, but well done for like following those things. You, you kind of somewhere in your intuition or whatever you want to call it did pull you back. I mean, maybe it was Chris and his direct DM or whatever it was, yeah. Facebook Messenger. That's a, a one way to get the girl, isn't oh, it? God. But then he, the, well, the strange, strange thing is, he never thought he'd go back into farming either. You mm. know, he was under boilers um, in South London for years and years you know commute commuting was it the, the a2 i think he used to basically live on for a long time and um just in his work van he i don't think he ever imagined because like it's not well, the strange thing is it's not like we just kind of farm um we've done it in quite a big way which i don't yeah. think that's something like i was tooting my own trumpet I'm no but you haven't had like a small holding no. with a with a pig and a you know it's not a small holding you've got a farm haven't you yeah we've done what we've done to kind of survive because we rent everywhere we don't own own a farm we we rent all of our land and kind of it's gone from um I mean we've got like sheep in at at any given time they can be in like eight or nine locations now like it's quite it's quite um a weird not a weird way to farm, but like we just do what we do to survive and earn a living mm-hmm. in the life that we want to live. Um, yeah. So 
you know, it, it, we, we, we're paying like two, 200 pounds in diesel a week just to get round and, and check everyone, which I know a lot of people, um, they, they ask a lot of money questions with farming because no one mm-hmm. really knows. You see a farmer and you kind of think of them in a Land Rover, um, I think, and people think farmers kind of have a lot of money, but it, a lot of people ask a lot of kind of finance related questions and it's mm. quite interesting for us because f- for us it's kind of we just survive it's not yeah. really a money thing but people always kind of draw into that well it's just a totally different way of framing your life you know and you've said it yourself if you're if you're living for want of a better thing as a the soho hairdresser and you you're wanting the bag and the eight pound cocktail and whatever else that is what you're always working towards. So you're yeah. trying to kind of accumulate more money because you need to be able to spend it. But you're just living in a much more kind of neutral way, aren't you? You're ticking over your life. Yeah. And yeah, and I think you hit the nail on the head there because you're always, when you're living in, in, in any city, I think, you're working towards that bag or that whatever um, and your rent, obviously, and things like mm. that. But you are always working towards something, whereas there's nothing we're working towards money-wise now. Yeah, you're living it's it. And also, you're simple. You, simpler. We, we joked about it, but you don't need your gym membership. You're not... <laughs> I think when you're... Again, it's a kind of a more spiritual approach, but when you're not craving those outsized stimulus, you know, everything that you put in, in terms of your own hard graft and any financial money that you turn over into it, it all kind of stays in the same place, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Exactly that. Exactly that. Which also means if you have a so for, for example, Mother Nature can either make us thrive or she can completely <laughs> bleep 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 us. Um so it's kind of one of those things where it's like we're actually governed by a force that is way, way, way deeper than us. And that's quite an invigorating thing, but it can also screw us over mm. at the drop of a hat. So a few years ago, so when you guys were all in lockdown, we lambed mm. and then that summer that followed was really, really dry. Um, mm. And every, all our friends were getting like incredible tans because they're working from home in the garden. And Chris and I are literally at our wits end because the grass, there was no grass for our animals to eat. Oh. Yeah. And all of our friends are like, oh, I bet you're loving it, so I bet you're getting such a banging tan. And I was thinking, yeah, but I'm literally going to lose everything no. I've worked for in, in a matter of weeks. And every yeah. night we were going to bed, Chris and I going, please, like we're not religious people, Pray but we're rain. like, please let it rain. And we're doing we're doing rain dances and stuff in the morning and things like that, just trying everything and throwing everything we had to try and make it rain. And um, it's really sad because, you know, we'd worked really hard to – um, mm. you know get all these sheep to the point of having lambs and they'd had beautiful lambs we'd had a pretty good lambing um, you know so the spring was stunning in terms of everything and then these lambs were now being weaned off their mother's milk and they actually had nothing to eat and that is scary as hell to be in the point where you have all these animals and actually you cannot feed them right. um, we could have put like hard feed down um but a they never do as well and it would have financially crippled us Mm -hmm. so we got to the point where we had to when the lambs were weaned we sold about 200 of our breeding ewes that we had collected over you know three years 
uh, maybe even four years um, and we had to sell 200 of them and that was really hard for us you know we'd gone from a flock of 600 and something and then had to sell them um, but the lambs <sighs> breeding ewes you like to think you can replace but the lambs like we bred them and although they are going to go essentially they're going to go to feed us it kind of is something it's something quite deep to have put the rams with the ewes then you've looked after those ewes long enough that they've actually had a actual baby and that actual baby has now got to the point where it doesn't need its mother it's quite an incredible thing to Mm. be a part of and although we're not that hands-on with the lambs you know we don't we don't feed them you know they are unless they're orphans they are with their mother and pretty Mm -hmm. wild um it's still an incredible thing to have been a part of um so that really really hit us hard having to sell those so then we've now built it back up since then and we're lambing yeah we're lambing about 650 this year so we're back up to where we want to be but again mother nature could go nope gonna have a drought and then Mm. we'll be in the exact same situation so it's kind of one of those but as you're saying you know it depends how deep and and spiritual you want to get but you could actually take take it quite far when you think about you know we're doing what our ancestors did um Mm. and you know they they were so involved with the gods weren't they and things like that and giving offerings and things like that and actually in my life today sometimes I do think to myself god we are really going back to that you know Chris and I laying in our in our bed here you know almost praying for someone to rain that's quite primitive in a sense and the and the uh, but the thing is that that is life whether whether we if you have you know more conventional you know office-based jobs you don't feel it but anything can go you can have peaks and troughs at any point and actually again if the pandemic has taught us anything we were all so arrogant to think that we're just on this like linear path where things just work out and yes you might have had a terrible summer but as you say you could it's not I don't want to say rewarded because it isn't that but you you could just as likely have a bumpy year where things go extraordinarily well it is rewarded It, it, it you do feel like you've been rewarded in the sense of when we had that brilliant spring Chris and I every day were thankful and we were saying oh god thank you know we were thanking someone we don't know who we're thanking but we're thanking someone because financially it can go at lambing time financially it can go one of either ways for a farmer yeah if you're a sheep farmer obviously um like financially that could have if we'd have had awful and lost all our lambs you know lambing is the payday wow. you know, when our lambs came up, like that is your payday really so that's mad for us i read something you'd said about where, where one like amazing um lambing day where you i think yeah you helped deliver 30 lambs or something so you've, you've got the kind of spiritual thing there where you're watching something be born but also that is like the big paycheck day so it's it's that yeah. must feel absolutely mad do you know what i never think about the money during lambing don't you you're thinking about getting making that be safe not once chris will sometimes like say for example um i'll try to think of an example to explain it a bit better um so a you um mum sheep for anyone that doesn't (laughs) will have a um she'll have a lamb and it will be and she'll have two she'll be a whacking great you and she'll have cost us say 80 pounds 
she will have two tiny lambs that comes say she did two mm. tiny lambs that will come out for me I think thank god you know I didn't have to help her deliver those you know her vagina is going to stay intact yeah. again she hasn't prolapsed or anything like that whereas Chris will be thinking okay so those two tiny lambs now have to when they sell pay for her that's mm-hmm. how he sees it whereas that wouldn't even cross my mind I wouldn't even know how much she cost us really? so that's a different partnership so mm-hmm. he's incredibly like nurturing and things like that and and you know my ovaries burst every time I see him with lambs oh. um but he he thinks of more business side of it whereas during lambing even if we had a horrendous lambing I'd be thinking about them dying I, I wouldn't link that to to the money whereas I think where he grew up in farming that's the difference whereas I I haven't got to the stage yet where I even really think about the money which probably drives him crazy no but this probably makes for a good partnership doesn't it you know I I think so I I do think so and and yeah I don't want it to sound like he's you know some no it's 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 your business and livelihood yeah he has so one of us has to otherwise you know we we would be in trouble we'd be in a hole but it is that was very difficult for me. So I was a vegetarian the whole time I lived in London. Um, yeah, the whole time. So <laughs> now you're yeah, from eighteen to twenty-three, twenty-three maybe I was a vegetarian, um, and well met this farmer's son. And I was like, oh yeah, you oh, can't be a veggie oh, with them. God. <laughs> oh god! And um, when he used to come to London, I'd be cooking him. You know, like beautiful couscous salads with pomegranate and stuff like that and then he'd probably be thinking what am I doing here and then yeah I um I I ate he cooked a lamb roast and he cooked it for hours just the smell reminded me of my childhood really and I ended up having some and then I'd slowly eat a little bit more and even now you know I don't I don't eat I don't eat that you know we have a butcher shop you know not was it last, last year we started the little farm fridge which is a butcher shop so our produce now can get from us to the consumer which is the the way that it's the way we've done it is we will get the same price for our animals all year round so we don't have to rely on the market fluctuating so that's why we did it you know for a steady income for our hard work um and I own a butcher shop yet I I, I could give up meat again tomorrow really like it doesn't really it doesn't do that much for me. I, mm. I, I can enjoy, you know, beautiful taste in me. And I feel like if you do buy it off the farm, it does taste oh, 10 yeah. times better than, you know, imported from Poland or whatever. But it's, yeah, it's, it's very strange, my relationship with me. And the funny thing for me is I knew when I was lambing that first year that they would all go for meat. Mm. Yeah. I, I so strange like I wasn't I wasn't thinking about the end game while I was working with them I think that I think that's that's how I started to cope and started to get mm-hmm. used to it um but the fact that it was in the back of my mind that they would go to the market and and enter the food chain the fact that it was in the back of my mind probably saved me because yep. Otherwise, you know, if you're just going to think they're going to skip around in in a field forever, it's not going to do you any favours. No, but I think that's exactly the point. You've touched on a few things and I've heard you speak about it before, but we are so disconnected from 
the, the things that we eat, whether that be meat or any kind of crop or yeah. anything, anything that we consume has been grown and produced. And I loved hearing you talk somewhere about literally the physical energy that has gone to get a lamb chop on your plate. There's led up to that point. It, we need to be aware of that and, and have an appreciation of it, don't we? I feel like we are getting there, though. Do you? I, I feel like social media is playing a huge part mm-hmm. in it a huge part and I feel so I didn't start this page um the Instagram page I didn't start it to turn into someone um that would you know get on their high horse and say right guys we're not appreciating where our food's from I'm going to teach you where it's from like that never crossed my mind I started the page so my clients could basically wet themselves at me even trying to get over a gate you know what I mean like yeah I just thought it would be so funny for my my you know I was still in contact with some of my clients from Soho and they're going to watch me in wellies with teach um Chris teaching me to climb over a barbed wire fence because Did I didn't really know you had to go right back to basics to get yeah. over a fence that is so funny which is it's it's ludicrous but anyway that's why I started it because I just wanted people to have a laugh with me I felt like I'd abandoned them by turning to I know it's because my dad died but I'd abandoned these people that I'd been friends with and saw every six weeks for years and I'd abandoned them so the least I could do is let them have a laugh at me that's how I felt and it kind of grew and grew and people loved it and they loved seeing the baby animals and they loved seeing things that we talked about and they love seeing Chris and I having rows about electric fencing and and then it kind of became a habit for me to show what we're doing every day because habit is quite a weird word but I enjoyed almost showing off in a sense showing look what I'm a hairdresser and look what I can do therefore you can do whatever the hell you want that's how I felt which sounds like a little bit arrogant but I, I kind of but is it showing well, off or is it celebrating? It's like, you, yeah. it's like, and also I think you didn't even know it, but most people don't, if you haven't spent any time on a farm, you don't might, might not know how to get over a fence. So no, you're putting a little window to the world to a, literally yeah. a million, so different from inner cities. Yeah, and I enjoyed that. And I'll tell you what I enjoyed more than anything. As, as, as people started, you know, chatting to me over the page, I was a hairdresser. I spoke for a living for how many years? And then it was just me and Chris in a field arguing. Do you know what I mean? It kind of got to the point where I just thought, please, just someone talk to me. So then I'm chatting with all these, you know, I I think it's like 80% of the people that follow my page are women. So I'm literally talking to these girls like I would be in the salon. And I loved it. So then it kind of just spiralled. And now I'm in a position where I can actually say, actually, you guys don't appreciate what you're eating so watch me see what goes into including you know the the process of what happens to end their life you need to watch the whole thing and then make a conscious decision about what you're Mm going to eat even when it comes to cereals even when it comes Mm -hmm. you know to absolutely everything you know that avocado there's a huge thing isn't there about avocados being flown and the carbon footprint and stuff but as long as you appreciate that's what it's taken to get to you then you enjoy it I just really yeah. feel like we should appreciate it rather than um, criticise and scrutinise ourselves. Just make sure you appreciate mm. it and be conscious in what you eat rather yeah, than just shoveling it, it in and actually caring because yeah. it's just calories. Yeah, because yeah, this place of judgment yeah, and, and being virtuous about your eating habits. Yeah, it, it, Whatever you do, if you do it no, 
with the best information you have then that's absolutely fine that's how I feel anyway yeah and also I, I feel like the the charm of you is that you are learning it you know I think that um off for listeners off mic we we're talking with producer Steve who I always try and get on mic and doesn't do it but about um from the farming families that he knows a lot of people have inherited their farming background and so that might not have been necessarily the life that they chose it's just how things worked out whereas you have very consciously opted in which must give you a particularly unique perspective I suppose yeah I think I think it, that's hard in a sense coming into it because you know one of the biggest social things for farmers probably one of the only social things unless you're part of young farmers um is the livestock market um which is probably just as you imagine it men in you know threadbare fleeces um primarily white and over 50 and Mm. I started going to the market and I you know wore hoop earrings and I wore denim cut off shorts and I had you know I had a bit more energy about me than any of those could probably ever dream of because it was like I was going to Disneyland I mean Chris said to me right we're going to buy some sheep today do you want to come to the market and I was like yes I do I was standing at the pens thinking oh my god like I felt I was shopping but I was did you? In my childhood, all I dreamt of was a pet, and I could never had. We had two cats, but they were really independent. I just wanted a dog, a guinea pig. You know, my mum once said to me, "If you keep that plant alive, you'll be able to get a pet." And obviously, the plant died. You know what I mean? Like I was never allowed an animal. So the dream for me was always to find abandoned kittens or puppies, and I would be their mother, and I would they would rely on me and they would be like my animals. And and then suddenly I've got a man standing next to me, Chris saying, okay, so do you, do you want to buy that? If you want to buy that, put your hand up. And I'm like, yes. So I kind of had this energy that actually probably not one single other person in that market would have had, um, which well, obviously is, is a negative because I didn't actually know how the auction worked. Um, one of the auctioneers is quite handsome as well and I was kind of gazing at him like that and then suddenly on our ticket I've bought this we were buying some calves for me to rear and the shed is um they're like a week or two week old calves and I was just kind of gazing at him in, in a world of my own and then suddenly I've spent 90 quid on like this really gorgeous calf and Chris kind of looked at me and said did you bid on that and I was like Oh, <laughs> suddenly it's because I've clocked eyes with this handsome, handsome auctioneer. <laughs> but it's so strange. Like I didn't know that at an auction you don't clock eyes with them. How would I know that? Oh gosh, you're just having a look. Just having a perv. <laughs> and he's thinking, who's this girl yeah. in a whatever you're wearing? Yeah, probably. But it it was really lovely for me to kind of. Um, it gave me an opportunity to without realizing it question their practices and question what they do and why they do it so um for example i'd be standing in the crowd and i'd say oh why is x y and z why is and the you know 
for want of a better word, the old boys, would kind of explain it to me. And if it didn't make sense, I'd, I'd ask why. And they'd probably think, yeah, mm-hmm. actually, why? So it was quite a nice relationship. And because I was from a hairdressing background, I can talk for England, as you've probably guessed. So I'd be chatting to these guys that probably had never spoken to a woman of my age. Do you know, <laughs> they literally, one, yeah, just wives, went for it. You know, potentially not even their wives. And then they've got like a 20-something-year-old um, chatting to them about something completely not farming related. And, at, you know, in the truck on the way home, I'd say to Chris, God, you know, Santa Sands? And he'd be like, who? And I'd say, well, blah, blah, blah. and I was like, did you know that his wife did? Da, 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 da. And Chris, how do you know that? And I've just got in there five minutes and I've got into his head because with hairdressing, you've got four yeah. to five minutes to form a bond with that person so great that in six weeks' time, you have secured them in your seat and therefore you've secured that appointment, therefore that money. So you've got 45 mil- minutes to build a connection. So you kind of whittle that down. So when you've been a hairdresser for a while, you know, within 10 minutes, I've this this old boy and me, we're going for drinks next week. Do you know what I mean? Like you just build so that good. kind of relationship. And that, that was quite, um, must have been quite alien for a lot of people. On a bigger scale now, are you finding other versions of you? Are you finding, yeah, have you got kind of connections in a wider industry sense? Or again, do, are you talking about your kind of local community in Kent or are you? Um, I think wider to a scale I never would have imagined really? through the social media. So um, the the Sheep Association asked me to come on a a webinar thing about keeping dogs on a lead. And at first I said to Chris, like the National Sheep Association want me, a hairdresser from Soho, to talk about something that I know nothing about. And then I spoke to them and actually what they wanted me to do is they wanted me to give in, they wanted an outsider to give their perspective on a very inside thing. Mm. They wanted to give another perspective. And at first I said to Chris, do you think it's because I've got a couple of followers they want to kind of, do you know what I mean? I couldn't work out what they were asking me, but actually they just wanted an outsider to put a bit of perspective yeah. into things. Well, that's good of them, isn't it? Because because you, you could have been the opposite. You could find like people going more insular. But yeah, you're you're a fresh perspective. You're you're not kind of cynical to it, are you? You're you're fresh and excited, and you're prepared to speak up about things that, as you say, have, have probably just become commonplace. Not through anyone's fault, but just things get people get entrenched with habits, don't they? Yeah, in every industry. Yeah, everything. Especially in an industry. And people often say that farming is stale and it's kind of stuck in um, past times and it's it needs to kind of um, get a little bit more modern. But I think that's genuinely because we're so tired. I think we haven't got the energy and like the, the, the perception of farmers is still stuck in a rut from, you know, yeah. the 1970s. Yeah. <laughs> Because farmers are too tired to change that. They're too tired. They don't have the Capacity. energy to think wider mm. outside of their community. Majority, I can't speak for everyone. And I think what social media's done is Chris and I are just as tired as everyone else, you know, the farmer down the road. But all I have to do is have my phone and go, blah, 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 done, story done. And I've told you what I've done this morning. It takes me like, you know, two minutes. Um, 
which you should never underestimate the power of of doing that yeah um I don't think any anyone on social media should under underestimate the power because it can be hugely positive and I mean I wouldn't even be speaking to you no you just never know do you what what um you don't know who's watching and you don't also be negative in the sense of you don't know who's watching and and I've I've heard a lot of horrible horror stories of farmers who um through social media have been uh, completely just destroyed um by activist groups and things like that so there's two sides of it Mm. but at the end of the day you take a gamble every day with getting up so you might as well take that gamble of sharing something that could be hugely positive yeah and for you overall your whole journey overused word but you you followed your instincts on stuff you know so you just got to keep doing that but it's interesting what you're saying about yeah things haven't moved forward and of course it needs to to progress in some ways but actually part of the reason it hasn't moved forward is because there are some very ancient fundamental values in the middle of it that all of those people in this more fast-paced yeah more modern life are disconnected from but actually you can't move the seasons faster than they move you can't rear animals faster than the, the processes it takes and there's something that yeah there's technology I'm sure and and processes that might have changed but there's a lot of it that is absolutely works for centuries and will continue to do so yeah and I think we're go as you know I won't get too um into it but farming as a community uh, as an industry I should say rather than community is going places now which so farming was very um basic and then it technology entered and it got a little bit wrapped up and it got a little bit um almost factory like um on some farms and now we're going back to how it should be so for example a lot of arable farmers are now working with livestock farmers so um yeah so for example um just down the road um where I've got to meet Chris and after I've done this to do some electric fencing, we have a huge field. Um, Usually it's wheat grown there. So what they've done is the wheat's been harvested. They planted in like radishes, turnips, a real mix. Our sheep then go in. Um, I'm saying this in a real basic Yeah, but I love it. um, So they, they will eat the green off. They will then digest it, poo it out the end. So that ground's fertile. And then they'll eat the bulbs and the roots. So obviously turnips grow underground, so do radishes. So they'll, they'll eat the the carby bulb and the roots. That ground's then fer- fertilised with their poo. And the topsoil's been protected while, you know, so it's not washed away with all the, the greenery. And then what the sheep have done is they've got fat essentially, so that's brilliant for us. And their, their poo's fertilised the land, so then that's, perfect ready for the next crop to go in now if the sheep hadn't have done that which is very you know pretty archaic really sheep doing that job instead of machinery the machinery that would have been used a it's manpower and time but also you've got the pollution aspect um you've got all of these these things overcomplicated it whereas it it, it yes exactly overcomplicated is a really good way to describe it and so it's got we've almost gone back in time, but we take a huge leap forward because so many. I mean, this year we have had so many calls of 
arable farmers asking us mm. to graze their land like Amazing. we haven't got enough sheep to graze it all Amazing. In, in honesty yeah whereas usually we're begging kind of ringing everyone we know going, guys seriously have you got any grazing during the winter whereas this year um farming is honestly in terms of climate change things like that it, it's really it's really taking a step forward and people are learning about it um which is pretty cool mm. um it's very geeky um when you learn the science between about like carbon sequential and things like that you know it's very geeky but if you do put it as a basic as in the sheep is literally doing the job of a machine fantastic it, it, it's it's how we should farm and everyone's waking up to that slowly but surely and so it's a very exciting time to be in the industry you know um there's huge amounts of you know cow farts are ruining the planet and all of this stuff but that's like it's not even going to touch us that's how it feels like the, those kind of comments aren't going to touch us because actually the proof's in the pudding yeah, and doing what we're doing is we're doing it yeah. we're not talking about it we're just doing it well, you're living and it aren't you yeah well done i find it hugely inspiring it's, this is done exactly what i thought it would do it's just make me think why aren't I doing more of this? But you know, I think when you when there's something in you that that begins to speak like that, all you can do is follow it, you know, and and see what happens. If there's anyone like me sitting here thinking, what, like, how do you fulfil that? I mean, yeah, I know I've, I've no farmers from when I'm growing up, so there's a bit of that. But if if you don't have access to any kind of farming, what, where do you look into that? Do you think? um there's a few things you can do um it depends what part of the farming is kind of calling you for want of a better word if it is you know I want to see lambs born and I want to see you know that start of life which is a what interests a lot of people isn't it really mm. that kind yeah. of um the babies and that kind of side of it and the more romantic side of it then a lot of um agricultural college do colleges do open days for lambing and things like that where you do get to be a part of of that world for be it only for a day but you get to be yeah. part of it then they're really really good um even for kids just to, to learn that animals are born yeah like um if it's more the gritty side of it and actually you think i actually might want a career um or a hobby or whatever keeping livestock um the best thing there's a few things what i would say is follow a few farming accounts on instagram and see day in day out what it actually takes yeah because that's see if you still fancy it yeah what there's so many and you can just kind of watch flick through their stories you know once a week or whatever and that will see if you you you're made of um strong enough stuff um but also you could even send a few emails. It's worth sending a few emails um, or so through social media, whatever, mm -hmm. and just asking for a bit of hands-on experience. Um, a lot of farmers um, can be quite uh, cut off to the idea of visitors only because it's so fast-paced and so stressful mm. a job having someone hanging around. But you never, ever know. And if you don't ask, mm. you're certainly not going to get. So just sending out, you know, 10, 15 emails on a Sunday while you're, you know, sitting on your computer, um, you never know. One person might say, oh, I can give you a day's. Um, and that, that that will seem really scary if you've never even stepped foot on a farm, but you want to. And then a farmer's saying, come on, then 
you might feel like you're intimidated but in actual fact the fact that they're even inviting you onto their farm is is speaks volume so you needn't worry they wouldn't invite you on their farm unless they were serious about looking after you yeah yeah and actually as I'm listening to you speak you know a lot of the my um, audience are parents you know we've got a whole generation of kids here and actually maybe there'd be a kid who because you do see it children are really interested in farms and farming aren't they yeah. it's, it's actually got quite a um one of those very core things that they seem attracted to and we're very quick to kind of encourage them in sport or in whatever but you might forget that that little early passion that they've got could ladder up to a, a, a totally different career or, or life so it's it's really important to hold that in your mind, I think. I, I think so too. And I think the the, the main thing for me um, with the child aspect of it is that they realise that it is a career option. Yes. Which is exactly what you said, but it it's so much larger than that because I, I've had a couple of schools um, come to the farm um, and, you know, learn the difference between straw and hay and what eats what and things like that and where the milk comes from and very basic but I loved doing that but it also scared the life out of me because the goats eat pizza and I kind of looked at them and thought oh my goodness Mm. um and then I said okay which who eats McDonald's here and they were like me 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 I eat McDonald's okay when you have a beef burger what animal do you think the beef burger comes from and literally I wish I'd never asked I I got in the truck with Chris that night and I said to him we need to do something at this point I had quite a few followers on the page and I just thought okay I need to seriously do something um so during the first lockdown I did farm school on the page where I did some lives five or six I think lives and just showed them around the farm and you know you know it's like on Instagram live the quality is rubbish and it was it was just a bit of fun for me but also I felt like I was doing my bit and helping the mums that I chat to every day and get me through stuff actually I was giving them a break from homeschooling and some of the feedback was absolutely incredible um you know people um people children saying to their mums did you know when they're eating their dinner and things like that and I just okay I want to take that further but life gets so busy and especially in farming um, it gets so busy that you can't take on the world. No. So I just do little bits. So I do, I've, I've started the YouTube with, um, it's called Flock School, and so I'm doing a little bit of teaching for kiddies on there. And I'm doing a little bit of this, and I'm just not getting myself worked up. I'm kind of can't. just as and when. So mm. I don't... I, I'll be, don't promise anything. You're just you're wiggling through it, you know. That. Just we just like we just kind of yeah winging it through, and if something so for example when you emailed it took my fancy because I like talking and I, and I and I like doing the podcast I thought okay I'll do yes to that but equally I might get it's like um female farmers are like the hot topic at the moment it's kind of are they? very yeah which feels good but weird yeah doesn't it? it feels good you don't want to be a hot topic you want to just be I just want to farm and it's very difficult it's very difficult the, the way that social media has gone because you don't really trust anyone. So mm, when they kind of yeah. say, oh, do you want to do 
um, this or this post and I kind of think to myself actually the, the message I'm trying to spread through my life is not the same as yours it's not remotely the same as yours so actually no I don't no. and the part I don't want to go down that path of being um a face I just want to be no no the opposite of what you walked away from yeah and, and my kids if I'm fortunate enough to have kids which I really hope I am my my kids I want them to have like my butcher's shop and I want them to have my farm and my stories and my special recipes yeah. to make lambs well when they're poorly and things like that I, I don't really want the other legacy nah well done but yeah it's hard yeah. isn't it it's hard when you're faced with especially in an industry where there isn't much finance to, to be offered finances for doing something that you could do with your eyes closed such as yeah. you know having your photograph taken or whatever it is it's quite hard to say actually I'm just going to stand here no, covered in five different types of poo in I'm know, okay with it ripping do you know what I mean like it's quite yeah it's quite a long time to say actually no I'm cool with that and no, but you always know, or I always think, you know in your gut, you yeah. do. I always know that instinctive feeling of like, oh, oh that's a bit off, but yeah. maybe I should. You, know, you do always regret it for one reason or another, you do. You so do, you and, just... and, and that's quite difficult to go from it being catapulted into this world where you have to make those decisions is quite difficult. Yeah. But going with your gut in farming, that what you just said with you knowing your gut kind of rung quite true with me because and if anyone is interested in in kind of going into farming or thinking they might like to you I'd say like 60% of it is instinct Gut, yeah because I didn't when I first um started working with the animals bear in mind I knew nothing like I didn't even know how to catch a sheep I didn't know that they liked I knew they flocked together but I didn't know like they liked to run along hedge lines so if you needed to catch a, a sheep because she had a bad foot for example you'd get her to run along a hedge line and then you're more likely to catch her and things like that I didn't know I didn't, didn't have a clue um, whereas Chris was probably rugby tackling sheep to, to fix their feet from like the age of four Forever. Um, so that was quite I had to learn for and I don't if I hadn't have listened to my instinct to listen to my gut and I actually not. wouldn't have known anything and being a female does help uh, I say this to Chris all the time and he's like Bleh. but being a female does really help with going with your instincts when it comes to um hmm. well lamb time carving time all those things because it's a superpower yeah it's a superpower but the problem is uh, yeah I mean this is a whole other chat and we need to wrap it up but it's like it's when you disconnect from that and when you kind of override it and you you know oh am I just being especially I'm similar with anxiety problems but often my anxiety has been sky high when fundamentally something's up with my life when I'm I'm doing habits and, and not being true to myself I might not realize it till years later but you know when I was at my height of advertising and living the, that life my anxiety was through the roof Same. but it's like because this is not you you think it's you but it's not and can I ask you a question quickly mm. are there days now where you regret at all leaving that fast-paced kind of go 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 lifestyle like do you ever have because people ask me that quite a lot oh do you ever miss London do you ever miss and there may be a fleeting moment, for example, mm. in the summer, I miss sitting outside on a curb yeah. in Carnaby Street with a cold drink. Yeah. 
But other than that, I actually don't like. I used to get the tube every day, um, and I don't ever think about that now. Sorry, that's my dog having a drink. Um, I don't ever think about that now. I never think about yeah. So I just, I, it's interesting. You you're quite similar to me in some yeah. But I miss those moments when you feel very alive, which is, yeah, can be sitting on a curb in Carnery Street with the sun. And But I realised that I was, this is again a deep answer, I was trying to recreate those moments quite a lot. That you know, You're trying yeah. to chase those highs, whereas in the things that you're doing now, by the sounds of it, those highs kind of come to you, but in a, it's just a completely different way of experiencing it, isn't yeah. it? So... Basically, the conclusion is you need to get yourself some animals or at least come lambing with us for a day or two in the spring, don't you? It's so funny because I, yeah, this is not about me, but I grew up in an area with a lot of farming. And, you know, when you're saying about these things, it's kind of implicit to me. In fact, I know about farming and you don't realise how much that actually can be part of you, even if you weren't directly part of it. You know, went to a small village school. Yeah, you're definitely doing something to me. Why are you making me think? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which isn't good no, one of two ways you could you could when we're lambing in, we're lambing and kidding in the spring so you can come for the day and it will either do one of two things yeah. one you'll be in the car on the way home going oh my god or you're gonna go be in the car and you're I want more of that. alive and you'll be like can, yeah. I, can I sleep in the caravan with you can I stay in the caravan <sighs> I fear this my poor husband as I, I concocted different lifestyle Anyway, it's been really amazing. I've got three questions before I end, quick quick ones. Where can people find you? Uh, I'm on Instagram, The Chief Shepherdess. And if you want to buy our meat, you can go to thelittlefarmfridge.com. Yay. I'll put a link up to that as well. Um, I'm not now because I've got big headphones on, but I'm a like prolific gold hoop wearer. I want to know where you get your gold hoops from. Uh, primarily ASOS. Mm. actually I love that you commit to wearing them even on the farm do you lose quite a few along the way never never lost one and never ripped out either the reason I wear them is because they they make me feel like I can handle anything yeah I get that you posted something before about it I think but it just makes you feel like you can handle anything and I know it's Mm. in my head but it just does and I've always worn them even you know a big shoot with hairdress and I always wore them and I don't see why that would be different on the farm no get them on and also that is like the connection of you isn't it that's you in whatever place that you've been yeah pop on a gold hoop I absolutely love it do you have many pairs or do you have one pair on the go many I go through phases but but many and you know expensive ones and cheaper ones like a whole whole range but you always have that one pair, don't you? Yeah, you like, do. These are my one pair, and today's a big, big occasion with you. So, so you whacked them on. Although I went to put on yesterday, like the really gigantic ones, and I was like, oh, yeah, that feels a bit much. But <laughs> yeah, I, I, I usually like a, a mid hoop. Yeah, it's, and actually, that is one of the worst bits about early parenting when you've got kind of a grabby baby. You can't wear your gold hoops oh, for a while. I have heard then, that. Yeah, but then it comes back to you. But it's quite a like loss of identity. <laughs> I have it with the goats. To be fair, one one of my goats is a bit nib. I I reared her from a like tiny. She's pygmy, so she was tiny, and she gets a little bit like that. And at first, it was just on my hair. So so then I used to just scrape all my hair up, and then it was on the hoop, and I just thought, Oh, why are oh, you no, doing not this the to hoops. me? <laughs> Draw a line. Um, 
And then one slightly heavier question, but the, to end, the whole podcast is about honesty. And if you could have an honest conversation with one person, who would it be and what would you say? It's a really strange answer, but probably with, with my dog. <laughs> I probably would. I'd probably... What, cause it, in that instance, the dog would be able to talk back. No, just, yeah, well, I hope so. You tell me. You're the you're the one that makes. No, the dog. it's your fantasy. I think I would choose my dog Indy, and I, I because you can't talk to animals. Obviously, they don't answer back. But if this is like a fantasy world, I think I would choose her. Great, I would choose what an answer. And I would I would ask her. I really want to know whether she loves me on like a surface level or like a deeper level and I think that's what I'd ask her is does she just love me just because I feed her or is it deeper than that and I think that's what I'd ask her oh I mean that could really go horribly wrong for you though couldn't it definitely the food (laughs) yeah but maybe she's smart enough to give you the answer that you want to hear just to keep the food coming she is oh yeah she is she is quite smart so she'll probably just say what I want to hear but I think that's what what I'll choose for my um my final one thing is if she's a springer she probably does love you but it, those thoughts don't stay in her head very long do they she's quite a lot going on in her mind and she's so active like she's so mm, mad. On the, yeah, neurotic and um yeah I just but yeah I think I would choose her I know you you probably expected me to say um a human well <laughs> you're the first person ever to say an animal but I like you so much better for it <laughs> It was you're like you're not going to expect that. It's like no, I'm, I really wasn't expecting no. that. But that's that's fine. That. We'll, I don't change it. It's no, a brilliant no, answer. No, 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 no. I'm not going to change my answer. But I just kind of thought to myself, there's not actually like if I wanted to ask anyone a question, I would probably ask unless they've died. And there's yeah. no one that's died that I kind of. You've got un. No, I'm quite um. Well, I I I will just ask. I get that impression. <laughs> it's good. Get it out of your head. It can head. be good. It can be awful. Um, I don't no. really. No, I don't have a feel. I hate those people who go. Oh, I just don't have a filter. I'm not. I'm not like you know. I know when to be, hmm. you know, respectful. But I do kind of think you kind of gauge someone, and I think from from being a hairdresser, you kind of get quite good at reading people, don't you? You kind of, yeah. and you you in advertising, you know, you're around so many people from so many different backgrounds, um, you get good at reading, and I think that's mm. kind of, you kind of judge them, and if you think, actually, I want to ask you this, but it's quite Yeah, go for it. Not. But obviously, I can't yeah. ask Indy that, because she's a... No, so well... I can't waste that, um, that wish you've given me. Well, that's probably going to stay with you in your head now. <laughs> You're never going to know. You have to accept that. Well, thank you for the most amazing conversation. I've absolutely loved it. You you are a dream podcast guest, as you say, because you're very adept at talking. You don't need much prompting. And you're now off to fix an electric fence. Yeah, I, um, yeah I've just got to get my overalls on. And, yeah, it, it's really thrilling. I mean, I know everyone that's listening is going to be absolutely I'm, green I'm, with envy. <laughs> I'm, I am so envious. I cannot tell you. I honestly want to go on and fix electric fencing <laughs> living the wrong life well fix a bit for me okay. I'd also like to wear overalls <sighs> have a good time thank you, and, um, thank you for I will, can I take you up on that offer to come lambing and have a life epiphany of course you can well that was absolutely brilliant um, as we wrapped up the interview Zoe's off to put on some overalls and go and fix some electric fencing and in my soul I feel sick with envy 
blooming love a practical task like that. I like something that you have to start and then finish. I love feeling like I've grafted, um, which is, as I said at the beginning, very far removed from a lot of the life that we live these days. And yeah, I'm gonna try and listen to that very real craving in me. But also, I just have huge admiration for anyone who's managed to make a shift in their life, who was following a path and then, for whatever reason, went on a different path and has followed that through. I thought she was brilliant and uh, I wasn't expecting quite so many similarities with the girls' school and um, yeah, Soho times and even the gold hoops. So that's always really nice. But actually, we've ended up being doing this chat on and off mic for almost the best part of two hours, which is hilarious. That shows what a great person she was to talk to. All in all, a very, very brilliant start to the beginning of this series. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of But Why. As ever, please do rate and review and subscribe. All those things, do clever things to the algorithm and get the podcast more exposure, which is fantastic. And if you want to get in touch, either to be a guest or to suggest a guest or just to have a chat with me, the address is butwhy at clementelford.com. I'm not going to go and fix an electric sense. I am going to go and work my way through my inbox now, which feels uh, nowhere near as good. But alas, this is what it is to have a job. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye.